you know, we came from a series. My goal was to fill you with great faith. And how many of you know you, you need faith when you're under attack or you need faith when things are being shaken? You don't need faith when everything's going great. I mean, you do, but you don't. You know what I'm saying? Your faith really begins to manifest when you're going through difficult times. And I've been encouraging us uh, theologically that we should be prisoners of hope, that no matter what the shaking is going around us, we always have victory in our spirits and in our hearts. I share with you, you need to keep focusing on the greatness of God. Can I get an amen? Now, you guys got to talk to me because you slept an extra hour. I expect you all to be awake. You should, you should be over-rested, a little bit sluggish this morning, all right? How many of you know we have a great God? Let's know who he is. Let's keep our eyes on him. We have an amazing champion, the darling of heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. He rose from the dead. He's ascended to the Father's right hand. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm a little bit excited about that. I don't know about you. That means you're living your life on purpose. You're not living a lie. Your life is full of meaning, all right? This is exciting. Jesus Christ ascended to the Father's right hand, and he poured out the Holy Spirit so that we could do the mission God's called us to do. Don't waste your life. I'm going to say that again. Don't waste your life. We have an incredible mission God's given us and incredible promises. In fact, I went to the next point. I said, we can't do this apart from the promises God has given us in his word. Well, how many promises, Pastor? Only about 7,000. I mean, you know, that's enough to commit to memory and to believe and to stand on and to fight with. What's the purposes of the promise? To fight with. So know the promises of God. If you, if you don't know the promises of God and you're ignorant, you're almost like a pagan unbeliever. You don't have any benefit to promises you don't know. So we have to know the promises. We have to quote the promise. We have to stand on the promises of God. And we have to believe the promises of God. Then I said we have the providence of God. God is writing out his story. Life is not accidental. Your life is not accidental. Life has a beginning and life has an end as we know it on planet Earth. Amen? And God's in charge of writing the story. In fact, I boldly declare this over my life. God's in charge of writing the story of my life. He knows the beginning and he knows the end. And I'll tell you what, it gives me great comfort. It gives me incredible comfort. I said we needed to believe in the power of God because without the Holy Spirit, we can't do any of this. How many of you need the Holy Spirit? How many of you are tired of making the Holy Spirit the forgotten member of the Trinity? And how many of you would really like the Holy Spirit to go to Living Stones Church on Sunday morning? All right, I would too. I, uh, he, he's, the, uh, he's the member that I want to make sure uh, is central, all right? And then I said this, that in times of darkness... Christians should start getting really excited. Why? Because we're masochists? No, we're not masochists. Because we're excited about when the darkness gets darker, it's time for the light to shine brighter. And God never allows darkness to linger too long without demonstrating for the sake of his glory, demonstrating his power to revive the church and to restore broken people because Jesus loves broken people and he loves broken cultures and he wants to bring healing. So we don't sit back and we don't wring our hands and we don't retreat. We start leaning in with anticipation that God is getting ready to do something amazing. And here's the beauty of it. We could be a part of a third grade awakening that would blow our minds. We'd be telling our kids and our grandkids about it until we die to go to be with Jesus. But every promise that God has made yet unfulfilled in the Bible is going to happen. And we need to be prisoners of hope. And we need to be hope dealers. We need to be dishing out hope everywhere we go because people are so depressed and discouraged and, and, and downtrodden. But this leads me to our message now. Here's the deal. There are some messages that certain of you like. I could preach a message on marriage and family. It would leave the singles out. I could preach a message on teenagers. It would leave the rest of you out. I could preach a message on women. It would leave out the men. Uh, but how many of you know when you talk about matters of the heart, 
It doesn't matter whether you're male, female, young or old, married, not married, uh, grandma, newborn, every single one of us in this room has an admonition from God to deal with our hearts and to guard our hearts and to make sure our hearts are healthy. Now take a look with me. We're going to start on uh, Proverbs chapter 4, a familiar verse, a favorite verse probably of many of you, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. This is kind of the theme of where we're going to be headed. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What a powerful verse. God's saying here, above all the things that you could do, above all the areas that you need to protect and watch over, your heart is the most important area of all. For all you all, every one of us in the hearing of, of, of my voice, because your, the condition of your heart literally determines the outcome or the course of your life. I mean, you know, this is really, really huge what God's saying to us here. Look at the Amplified Version. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Picture your heart as a spring pumping out water, life-giving water. And we have to guard the spring because if the spring goes dry, we're dead. Or if the spring gets polluted, we end up getting sick and our lives do not stay on course. We end up, we end up getting off course. And so you're going to go through all kinds of seasons in life. And the big idea from this sermon series that we're going to get on over the holidays here is that keeping and guarding your heart through every season is the great business of every believer. Now, let me just, I'm trying to make this relevant to all of us. How many of you have been through mountaintop experiences where you've experienced the blessing in God on your life and pro the prosperity of God? Wave at me. Hallelujah. But how many of you know, even in those prosperity seasons, your heart can still turn on you and you can become independent from God and very prideful? How many of you have been through painful seasons? Boy, everybody should put both hands up on that one. Painful seasons. How many of you have been through seasons of betrayal? How many of you have been through seasons when you felt like there was lack and that there wasn't enough and, and you had to fear for having enough to get by? How many of you have been through seasons where you were really hurt and your heart got bitter? How many of you have been in a season where you were traumatized? And it felt like, you know, I was talking with my brother, Carlos, this morning, like sometimes life comes up and gives us a, a, a cheap shot to the, to the gut and we're bent over trying to catch our breath and we didn't even see it coming. That, that's the nature of death. That's the nature of trauma. And some of us have been through very, very traumatic situations. And how many of you know when a traumatic situation hits you, the devil's waiting to find a window to sneak into your heart. And, you know, we're going to talk about in each of these seasons of life, each season opens a door for the enemy to come in and produce something in our heart that's, that's not godly, that's not healthy. And that's why we have to shepherd our hearts through the mountaintops, through the valleys, through the broken times, through the hurting times, through the blessed times. There's not a season in your life when you do not need to be diligently focusing on the condition of your heart. Now, let me just say something. Even when I'm preaching this message, you know, this, this message on, on having a, a pure heart, a healthy heart, is like preaching on humility. How many of you know no pastor stands up in here and says, let me teach you all about humility because I've mastered it. In fact, if your pastor ever starts, if I ever introduce a message like that, please leave the church, all right? Because I, I actually, no, just pray for me. I'm getting ready to have a massive fall, all right? That's what's going to happen. No, we never open up a message on humility like, hey, we all got this mastered. Because how many of you know we're always learning to be humble people? Guess what? 
I'm not standing up here today, nor is anybody in this place waving the flag that I'm all good. In fact, if you if if, think the condition of your heart this morning is you're good, you're just blind. If the Lord would just show us the conditions of our heart right now, the best one of us in this room, we'd all go, oh, which is why the first message out of John the Baptist's mouth and the first word out of Jesus' mouth were the same word. You all know what that word is? Repent. It's when God gives us the grace through the Holy Spirit to see things the way they really are. Aren't you grateful? This, this was one of the biggest testimonies and, and praise reports I've ever remembered from our starting point class. When we asked people, hey, why did you come to Living Souls? What are you doing? How, what do you like? How come you're here? How did God bring you here? One lady said this, I'm so grateful to be at a place where I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And how many of you know the older you get, the more you realize that conviction leading to repentance is actually good, not bad. And then when you're like this, hey, I'm good, I'm good, no, I'm good. You're really not good. You're actually blind because we need to continually allow the Lord to transform us. And I mean, you know, it's okay to admit this because some of us are doing gooder than others, all right? Maybe you're in a great spot. Maybe your heart's doing great. But we're on a journey of continual transformation, are we not? And so the posture is one always of humility. The posture is one of being open to the Holy Spirit. In fact, how about this? When we come in on Sundays, shouldn't this be our posture during worship? Lord, reveal my heart. God, I want to be close to you. How many of you could always use more fire in your heart for Jesus? more we sing that little chorus, more love, more power, more of you in my life. Come on. Well, there's always more with God. And so just to have a, pass, a posture where we admit that there is more and that I haven't arrived, that, that I'm, I'm small, puny, finite, and God's infinite and so full of gifts and blessing that he wants to give to us. And so we're just constantly on a, on a, on a journey to get more of the Lord. So we're going to talk next week. We're going to begin looking at some of the seasons of life that we go through. And I promise you this series is going to be so relevant to all of us. And here's what I want to ask. You know, we're coming into the holiday season. For many of you, this is going to be a painful season because this is a season, it's a first for you. I remember when my dad passed away, it was the first Thanksgiving, it was the first Christmas, it was the first birthday, it was the first anniversary. Those are hard times. They're hard times. Uh, some of you just deal with family members that aren't saved. And anytime you're around a family member that's not saved, it's going to be challenging times. I'll get to that in a moment. So my point is this. Let's let the Lord really heal our hearts during this holiday season. Because the greatest gift you can give the Lord is a whole heart, a happy heart, a joyful heart, a heart that's dependent upon Him. Now let me give you some bad news first. One of the best parts, this is actually good news, one of the best parts of regeneration, which is just a fancy theological word for being born again, for for new birth, is that the worst part of our being is exchanged for what becomes the best part of our being. I'm talking here about the human heart. And I want to just shoot some sacred cows here this morning because we live in such a godless culture. This is how the Bible describes your heart before Jesus. All right, I'm just going to give you some adjectives or phrases. Your heart is hateful toward God, full of evil, desperately wicked. It'd be bad enough if it were just wicked, but God has to put desperately wicked. Prone to error, unbelieving, blind, deceitful, deceived, 
divided, double, hard, haughty, proud, rebellious, stiff, stony, and idolatrous. And those are just a few of the adjectives I didn't want to encourage you too much this morning. So when people tell you, oh, that person's got such a great heart, and they don't know Jesus, they're lying. Every one of us is born with a desperately wicked heart, a, a blind heart, a hard heart, a rebellious heart, a stony heart, a heart that resists God. That's why when we sing that song, God, you, you were the one who found me and you put me back together and you, you helped me re recover, rediscover who I am. That's because of the mercy of God. So the good news is what was once the most evil, wicked part of us is now a good part of us. And the solution to all this, here's the good news, Ezekiel 36, verse 26, follow along with me. God says, I'm going to give you a new heart, hallelujah, I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I'm going to take out that stony, stubborn heart, can anybody say praise the Lord for that? And I'm going to give you a tender, responsive heart. Now, I want us to, to, this to drive home. I've met Christians before, and they say, well, you know, you've got to forgive me. I'm just stubborn. What does that verse say again? God's, when you're born again, you're not stubborn. Let me say that again. When you're born again, you're not stubborn. Because God took that heart out. And the heart that he gives you is tender and responsive. So when you see people walking around saying, well, I'm sorry, that's just how I am. That's no, that's not how you are. If that's how you are, you haven't been saved. Because saved people are not stubborn, stony, rebellious. They're tender and they care. And they respond to God. That's what saved people get. So listen, I'm not saying you don't struggle with some of the old, but that's not who you are. If you're still stubborn, hard-hearted, calloused, you need Jesus to give you a new heart. And he wants to give you a new heart. That, that's what it means to be born again. Now let me just tell you what religious people do. Religious people care about what they look like on the outside. You know, what do we do before we come to church? We, we brush our hair. <laughs> Some of you do that. We brush our teeth. We make sure we look good and smell good. And let me just say, I appreciate that, all right? I'm sure your neighbors do too. But can I just tell you something? God loves you whether you brush your teeth or not. And you know, we want to look good on the outside. Can I, I'm just going to pop some religious bubbles here again too. Ready for this? God doesn't care how you came to church this morning dressed. He prefers that you're modest because we're here to focus on him. That's a preference. But you know what? He could care less. In fact, there are people that look really good on the outside. But the Bible says this, and this should, this should put the fear of God in us. God cuts through all the whitewash. And he looks at our hearts. 
doesn't matter what we look like on the outside. It doesn't matter what, how much money we drop in the offering plate. Remember, remember the Pharisees, Jesus, Jesus said, well, look at that lady. Look at that. And they're like, what, that poor lady? That poor lady with not the latest fashion going on? That, that poor lady with the two little, look at that lady! Because inside her heart, God said, that's somebody that's precious to me. Not the Pharisees rattling the offering plate to make sure it made lots of noise so that the people around them could be impressed. One of the old-time saints, uh, writers of old, said this. I thought it was really good. He said, you can wash a pig, yet it still remains a pig. In other words, you can come to church and you could bathe the night before and brush your teeth and put on perfume or cologne. But if you haven't been born again, a pig is still a pig. And a pig's heart will always act like a pig. And a pig's nature will always act like a pig. And you'll always go back to being who you were by your fallen nature, no matter how pretty you are on the outside. So God wants to deal with that pig heart of us, that selfish, nasty heart on the inside. Because how many of you know until the grace of God touches you, listen to me, everything is cosmetic. You know, I have this thing that I say in our starting point class. I say it to get a rise out of people, but I also say it to create the right culture. This is what I say. You already, if you haven't been yet, I'm going to tell you this. I tell you it every time. We assume at Living Stones that every single person that shows up here is messed up. So just quit faking. I can't believe those people at marriage class are actually talking about the issues in their life. Quit faking your own issues. You got your own issues. We don't come here for some kind of beauty pageant before God. Because God looks at the condition of our hearts, and that's where the real beauty pageant lasts. Some of you young people, you're all concerned about image and this and that. And listen, God could care less about all of it. He, wa- he wants to know, what is your heart like today? What's going on on the inside? That's what God cares about. That's what he's looking at. So we got this powerful exchange, a new heart a new spirit for a stubborn, stony heart. And I want you to say these words with me. Tender, responsive. Let's say it again. Tender, responsive. What does a born-again person look like? They're tender toward God. They're tender toward people. They're tender toward their spouse. They're tender toward relationships, and they're responsive to the things of God. When God speaks, they don't have to be treated like an animal that's dragged around with a horse bit in their mouth because they're responsive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. How do you know if your heart's really healthy? You're tender and you're responsive. We could pause right now, couldn't we? And just give ourselves a heart check. In fact, I encourage you to do it this morning. How, Lord, how tender am I? And where, where have I grown callous? And Lord, how responsive am I to things going on around me that, that should touch me and that should break my heart? That's a, good, that's a good little indicator. So why do we need to guard our hearts so much? In fact, the Lord just said here, make it at the top of your list to guard your heart. Why? Because here's what, your heart is the very core, it's the very center of your inner being. How I many you know if you have a bad physical heart, the rest of your body is going to, and your health is going to be impacted by a bad heart. That's why we talk about health care, and we talk about eating good, we talk about exercising, because when your heart goes, your health goes. How I many you know it's the same thing spiritually? When your spiritual heart begins to get sick, 
the condition of your soul gets sick. Now check this out, you know, your heart is the innermost part of your being. Now some people are saying, you know, pastor, my heart's fine, but it's my, it's my emotions that are toxic. I'm angry and I'm upset and I'm, I'm bitter. Well, I would like to suggest to you that it's not your emotions that are toxic, it's your heart that's toxic, which is polluting your emotions. Say, Pastor, my heart's good, but man, in my mind, I just keep preaching what I'd really like to say to that person who did me wrong. Anybody preach those kind of sermons in your mind? Or you find yourself going through the day, and you're spending all this time dealing with offenses that you've picked up. Am I talking to the right crowd? The problem is not, oh, I need to renew my mind. No, before you renew your mind, you need to heal your heart, because your heart is feeding the infection to your mind. And if you've got a problem with disobedience, you can't say, I need, I need to do a better job controlling lust. I need to do a better job controlling this bad habit. I need to do a better job controlling my anger. No, you don't try to grab your will and bring it under submission and put chains on it. Get your heart free and your behavior will follow a healthy heart. We've got to go after our hearts. Man, I found this to be true in my own life over and over and over again. How many know the devil only goes after things that are valuable? You don't guard stuff that's worthless. Hear this. When, when, when the Holy Spirit says, guard, above all else, the most important thing, church, you can guard today is your heart. Guard your heart. Why? Because your heart must be that valuable. We don't go after junk. We don't rob banks that are empty. We go after banks where there's money. Nobody's going after my bank account. <laughs> you go where there's incredible wealth, and you go after it. But I'll tell you this, the devil goes after my heart all the time. How about you? Amen. He's always after my heart. He's always trying to get me up because my heart is incredibly valuable. Why is it valuable? Because my heart is his throne. When we preach the gospel in simplicity, even to little children, what do we say? We want you to invite Jesus to take over, to sit, to take his rightful place on the throne of your heart. Why your heart? Because your heart is so valuable. Why do we give our hearts to Jesus? Because our hearts are the most valuable thing that we have. Because our hearts determine the course of our lives. And if Jesus has my heart, he has my mind, my will, my emotion, my money. He has everything if he has my heart. So he's going to take his, his place on the throne of my heart. And that's where his presence abides. Now, how I many of you have heard this too? We say that the Bible teaches your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. So if my body is a temple, listen to this. Your heart is like the holy of holies. I mean, you know, you just don't mosey in the holy of holies. Only the high priest got to go into the holy of holies once a year, and he went through with his ankle tied, a rope tied around his ankle in case he screwed it up. And then no one was going to go in and get him. They would drag him out. Your heart is the holy of holies. It's the place where literally the Shekinah glory of God abides. It's the center of your being. And God's saying, protect that area because if it goes south, if it gets sour, if it gets poison, it's going to destroy the whole outcome of your life. That's why we have to guard the heart. I mean, you know, your heart's the place of your dreams and your desires and your passions. And so here's what I would say too. On Sunday morning, how many of you think when we worship the Lord, healthy hearts release passion for Jesus? 
But how many of you have come and your heart hasn't been healthy and you've labored in worship? It's okay to be honest. Let me just say this too. Sometimes people on the outside, man, they're very expressive and they're doing cartwheels for Jesus and pom-poms and the whole nine yards. And listen, I got no problem with authentic passion. But I just want to say this. God looks at the heart. Some of you have had weeks where we're just showing up was an act of tremendous faith. And you could hardly get here, let alone wave your hands. And can I just tell you something? Your worship was precious to God. And some people that, woo! The only problem with the woo is Saturday night, they weren't living for Jesus. Their hearts are full of infection and pus, lust, pride, everything else. And they're going, woo! And the Lord's going, not impressed. Because he could care less what you look like on the outside. But how about this? Let's put it all together. And let's come with healthy hearts, open hearts, forgiven hearts, no shame on our lives, loving Jesus and the passion. I mean, you know, passion means you're alive. Dreaming means you're alive. Desiring dreams you're alive. When when you're like, oh, whatever, I care less, that's a sign of a sick heart. You're like, what what are you doing with your life? I don't know. Try to survive. That's a sick heart. Why do we have over this whole COVID situation so many suicides? That's because sick hearts. And can I just say this? The devil goes after and attacks people's hearts. And I want to encourage anybody that's lost a family member over this season to suicide. It's not that that person committed this unforgivable sin. Listen to me. It's that that person did not guard their heart. And when the enemy comes in, he can literally steal your life if he steals your heart. People just lose all reason for living. But people with healthy hearts are alive to the Lord. They're passionate. They have desires. They have dreams. They're full of life because life it flows from your heart. That's why we guard our heart. That's why we make it our top priority. Can I just say this? My heart is the place that connects with God Almighty. And my heart is the place where his presence abides. And my heart gives me the ability to have godly, intimate relationships with God's people. You know, this often happens in marriage. Two broken people get together uh, with wounded hearts. And they try to find, to heal their hearts in the relationship. Of course, that's impossible. You all know that. Only Jesus can heal your heart. But you cannot have an intimate relationship with another human being until you've let the Lord heal your heart. So get ready for this. One of the indicators of how healed we are at Living Stones will be the depth and quality of the relationships that we have. It'll be the an indicator of the relationship I have with my wife and you have with your wife if, you, if you're married, all right, or to your spouse. It will be the condition of my family with my children because I can't connect deeply with people if my own heart's wounded. How many of you know wounded people wound other people? Hurt people hurt other people. And can I just tell you, you have to have a church full of people whose hearts are on the farther down the road because let me just pop somebody's bubble here this morning. Why do we expect the church to be a place where everybody treats each other just like Jesus would. Who's here at church? I'll tell you, I'm here, and I have to keep getting my own heart healed. I don't know about you. I think the reason most of us showed up is because we were messed up. And then we have this false idea that everybody at church is supposed to be exactly like Jesus. I mean, you know, we're all in progress. But here's how we're like Jesus. 
we choose to guard our hearts from offenses. My dad taught us well. Because how many know, just when you, when you become a pastor, that doesn't mean every month is Pastor Appreciation Month. In fact, I remember my dad jokingly one time in the month of October said, if this is Pastor Appreciation Month, I vote we skip it next year, all right? <laughs> if you knew my dad, that was vintage, my dad, all right? Here's what my dad would say. Every morning, I choose not to be offended. Because offenses will come. You don't have to receive it. Offenses fall out of heaven right on you, not from God, but they'll fall right out of the sky and try to land on you. What do you do? Get them off. Take a shower. Guard your heart. I got a thought for you. You know, every pastor, when they opened up, was afraid because the media told us we were going to be super spreaders. Now, I had never heard that term before, but it didn't sound like something I wanted to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of a super spreader. (laughs) Let me tell you something far worse than being a super spreader of disease. How about this? Being a super spreader of bitterness. What What if we did a test at the door when people came in and we said, oh, Mark, no, Mark's been infected with bitterness. Get him in a closet for two weeks. Don't let him out because if he comes to church, we all could get affected with bitterness. And if we get affected with bitterness, we lose our heart. And if we lose our heart, we lose our life. And if we lose our life, what good are we in this life or in the life to come? Oh my gosh, let's watch our hearts because bitterness spreads worse than a virus and defiles many people. What, 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 if we t- what if we took the same precautions for our hearts as we took for our bodies? Because I'd like to suggest to you the world is infested with something a whole lot worse than any disease. It's infested with sin and bitterness and brokenness, which pollutes people and causes them to be uh, at odds with one another. Make sure you're guarding your heart to make sure it's tender and to make sure it's responsive. David said, create in me a clean heart. Don't banish me from your presence. What was he saying? He knew when his heart was wrong. He knew when his heart was rebellion. And what he sensed was that the, it, it put a quenching on the presence of God in his life. How many of you know when you wake up in the morning, there's a target on your heart? Because the devil always goes after what is most valuable, and he's going to go after your heart. This word in the Hebrew for guard your heart has a picture of a a garrison that's being besieged by an enemy, which is not only being attacked from without by enemies, but how about this? Listen to this one. Being attacked or in danger of being betrayed by treacherous citizens within. I have to guard what's going on outside of my body and, and, and what's going on in the world to try to damage my heart. But I also have to be concerned with my own insides because there are still traitors within. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My own heart can still deceive me. My own heart can still draw me away. My own heart can still be tempted. My own heart can still fall under the spell of bitterness or rejection or lust or a host of other evils. In other words, I don't have to look at you to hurt my heart or be deceived. There's an enemy still lurking within that I have to guard against. 
which is why I need you and why I need church and why I need the Bible and why I need the Lord, because I got to deal with me and my own heart. How many of you are familiar with that great old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Many Blessings? Any of you sing that growing up? Great hymn. There's a verse the Holy Spirit brought to my mind, which I think really captures what I'm talking about, guarding your heart. It says this, I think it's verse 3. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, like a chain, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God that I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Man, what if we came together in worship and we said, Lord, I know my heart is prone to wander. My, my heart is prone to lukewarmness. My heart is prone to compromise, to being divided. God, take my heart, place a seal on my heart so that it's yours and yours only. Is there, is there a believer in this room that doesn't love Jesus and want to please him with all your heart? Wave at me if that's you. But how many of you know we ought to guard our hearts from the things that cause us to be numb? And so we're saying, Lord, bind me like a chain to your heart with your grace because I don't want my heart that's prone to wander to lead me away. The duty to guard our hearts is ours, but the power to keep it is the Lord's. That's why, take a look with me, Psalm 86, verse 11. Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. Teach me, grant me. How many of you know both of these come from a heart full of humility, a posture of humility? Lord, teach me and grant me. Now, I gave some in my message here, but I'm not going to get to it. It's going to be in your life group lesson, I do believe. Uh, but I'm talking about practical steps for guarding your heart. We're going to discuss those this week. I got five of them, all right? Uh, and Jocelyn, am I right on that? Yeah, mostly right. Okay, good. Uh, I'm mostly right on that, but you will get into some of this. Um, but it's going to be a really, really good time to dive in deeper on these things. Now, listen, I want you to picture your heart as a well or a spring of living water. If you don't have water, of course, you die, but if you're careless with the well, the well becomes polluted, and it makes you and other people sick. Have you ever been around people with a polluted well? Everything that comes out of their mouths, negative, critical, attacking, uh, nothing of life, biting tongue. That's a person, again, whose well has become polluted. You need to get your heart healed. Now listen, how many of you have been there before? I've been there before. Okay, just me. The rest of you, come on, God's going to, how many of you have been there? I'm serious. You got, you got to go, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm giving out polluted water. You know what? If you're, if you're that way in a marriage, you pollute your marriage. If you're that way in a family, you pollute your kids. Um, you, spew, you spew that venom out and everybody around you gets defiled. You got to see your heart as a wellspring. It's what you drink from. It's what other people around you drink from. The Bible says this in Luke 6:45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. In other words, your heart is a treasury. It's where the resources are stored. Now, how many of you have ever been around someone that accidentally put their foot in their mouth and what they said wasn't so kind, and then they said, oh, please forgive me, I didn't mean to say that. Let me correct that. You couldn't help but say that because it came out of your heart. 
What you meant to say was, I didn't mean to say that because now it makes me look bad, evil heart. Or I didn't mean to say that in your presence, I just meant to talk about you behind your back, (laughs) evil heart. But nothing comes out of my mouth that doesn't first exist in my heart. So all of a sudden, you're going good, all of a sudden, you let out an F-bomb. Where did that come from? So I got some pollution coming up there. Well, oh, look at her. Make fun of her. Blah, blah, blah. I'm, oh, oh, you got some pus coming to the surface. You can't blame that pus on somebody else. That's your infection. Your mouth always indicates the condition of your heart. If you're complaining all the time. Wah, 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 wah. It's not the problem with your mouth or your thoughts. It's your heart. And you got to own it before you can get healed. You got to go, that's me. It came out of me. Therefore, it must be in me. Remember, the Pharisees were great. The whitewashed sepulchers. Ah, shining teeth. And Jesus, Jesus, here's what Jesus said. Talk about not being kind. You guys are like sepulchers that have been whitewashed. On the inside, you're full of rotting bones. Jesus, thus saith Jesus, out of a pure heart, a truthful heart. Jesus, Jesus said that, and, and only Jesus could have probably said that, right? When Jesus said, all of you without sin, cast the first stone. Only the one without sin could have said that. Everybody else went dropping their stones and slithering away. Because God is more concerned with the treasury that's in our heart. Don't be a whitewashed sepulcher. How about this? Be a whitewashed worshiper. A, sorry, a white-hearted worshiper. Let me say that again. Don't be a whitewashed sepulcher. Be a white-hearted, fiery-hearted worshiper. Let me close with this. Proverbs 23, 26. Oh, my son, personalize it. Oh, my son, if you're a male, oh, my daughter, if you're a female, the Lord speaking to you, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. Ah, that's what the Lord wants us to do today. You know, I remember an interview that I had on my first real job, all right? And during the course of the interview, they always ask you those great questions that probe the depths of your psyche, right? Try to reveal whether you're the one for the job or not. So they asked me this question. They said, tell me one of your greatest successes and why that matters to you. And then tell me one of your greatest pains or failures or hurts and, and, and why that's so significant. And man, instantly I was thinking about all my successes uh, because again, I'm, early, I'm in my early 20s at the time uh, and I had been raised in a godly family and I just had been experiencing the favor and blessing of God on my life. So I mean, that's a good thing. And then when it came to me thinking about the most painful moment, praise God, up through my early 20s, I didn't have any painful moments that I could think of. In other words, nothing that just jumped right out that was so painful, so damaging. And I just said, you know what? I, I'm just drawing a blank on that hurtful moment thing because I just, I, I've been blessed. But I want to say something to you. How does the Lord tenderize you? How does he fit you for ministry? Is it only through his blessing or is it also through pain? Because after I got through that stage, then I started getting introduced to the processing of the Lord. And then I started getting broken. 
Now, how many know God's purpose in breaking you isn't to kill you? It's to put you back together better than you were before the breaking. It's to heal you so that his glory can shine through the cracks. All right? And so this is what happened. I remember an especially painful moment when after that moment, I was broken and I was hurt and I was dealing with all kinds of, the Lord just showed me, like spotlighted my independence and pride. And do you know that for the next year, I kid you not, at the altar, you could come up and say, can you pray for my gerbil? And I would start crying while I'm praying for your gerbil. Oh, God, heal the gerbil. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, people probably looked at me like, what is the matter with Pastor Ron? But, but here's what God did. He used my own brokenness to sensitize me to your brokenness. Because what good is a pastor who's not tender and responsive? And I can't be tender and responsive if I'm not tenderized. Because by nature, I am not tender and I'm not responsive and neither are you. So we have to learn to pastor our hearts through all the painful seasons of life so that not that we get broken and downcast and poisoned, but so that we get healed and whole and tenderized so that the glory of God can flow through us to touch people. I thank God I am not the 20-some-year-old with nothing but a resume of victory and blessing. But I'm a 50-some-year-old. I'm holding on to that 50-some. I'm a 50-some-year-old with a track record of having gone through the seasons of life. And I hope this. I hope I love better. I hope I love you better. I hope I care more. I hope I cry more. I, keep, I hope I rejoice more. I hope I'm a better man now than I ever would have been if I pretended like this was earth or, or heaven on earth and that I somehow was you know, made exempt from all the challenges that we face. Listen, church, the devil's after your heart. He wants to take you out. God wants you to guard your heart, not guard it from him. Open it up to him. Bring your pain to him. Bring your questions to him. Bring your hurt to him. We're going to learn how to do all of this in every season so that there's a, a, a well. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. That's what's coming out of me. It's the life of God. I can walk in the joy of the Lord, the peace of God. I can walk in faith. I can continue to press in and be full of the life of God no matter what life says at me. Because Jesus, the Bible said, in all these things was more than a conqueror. And now he invites me to walk in the same life. So stand to your feet. I want to pray for you this morning. And I want our leaders that are here and our, some of our prayer team to come up. Because here's all I want us to do at the start of this series. I just want us to be able to present our hearts to Jesus. And I, I just know because of a group this big, I know there are people in this room today who have come here with damaged hearts, with brokenness, with pain, with confusion, with bitterness, with fear. And I just want to tell you, it's okay. It's okay. But guard your heart because the devil's trying to take you out. And bring your heart, like that verse in Proverbs, my son, my daughter, bring me, give me your heart and watch what the Lord can do to bring fresh perspective, fresh life, fresh passion, fresh hope, all the things that Jesus is. Lord, I ask you right now 
to begin healing that well. Lord, let the rivers of living water begin to flow out of this place. Listen, church, we, we prophesied a third great awakening. But there's a forerunner named John the Baptist who had to come before Jesus and prepared the way of the Lord. This series is intentional from the Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts for a move of God. And I want you to see it in context. I, I, I'm being a, a wise master builder here this morning and in the weeks to come. I'm trying to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord in a supernatural and powerful visitation. We all have a part to do with that. We, we have to shepherd our hearts. No one can shepherd it for you. So Holy Spirit, touch hearts all across this place today. You know, I, I feel like there are some of you here, you've never given your heart to the Lord. You're here because you're looking for answers, and Jesus is the answer. But you've you got to take your broken, stinky heart, give it to the Lord. Let Him clean it up. Repent. Give your life to Him. So, Father, I ask your blessing on our people today. I pray you pour out grace and glory and healing and open our eyes, Lord. Show us where we still need to do some heart work. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, marriage class at four, have a great day. If you need prayer, come on down. If you're new, I'd love to connect with you, all right? Come on down and introduce yourself. But have a great day.